Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SAP Learning Insights Podcast. Today, we are talking SAP S4 HANA. Everybody has heard the term, but levels of familiarity with the solution vary quite a bit. Today's goal is to get a short introduction to the world of SAP S4 HANA and how people can learn more about it. In order to achieve that goal, I have invited Kate Wilson, one of our subject matter experts on SAP S4 HANA. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Good to have you aboard. So with the start of every podcast, we always want to get our, our hero's origin story. Kate, would you uh, t- take a moment to introduce yourself, uh, tell us about how you entered the world of SAP and ended up becoming an SAP S4 HANA expert? Sure. So I consider myself like first and foremost a trainer, but I spend about a little less than half my time teaching sessions and then the other little more than a half writing the content and the courses. And that has varied over the years, which topics I've covered. I came in through the Success Factors acquisition around like eight-ish years ago or so now. So I started focusing pretty much exclusively on Success Factors. And then over the years have transitioned a little bit more towards S4. And I still do some kind of crossover things about the integration with your HR system of record. But nowadays, I really focus on, on S4 HANA Cloud, as well as the private cloud solution. And I've written several of those courses, and I get to teach them too. So it's pretty fun. Outstanding. Good to have a instructor on board to uh, show us the way and explain to us, uh, give us some background about SAP S4 HANA. And um, starting with that, we should probably just start with a quick explanation as to what SAP S4 HANA is. And um, for our veteran SAP uh, folks out there, uh, what the difference between SAP S4 HANA is and the legacy ERP system? Yeah, that can be a big question because there's a few different kind of components. But for starters, let's just break down the name. So S for HANA stands for the SAP Business Suite for, like the number four, for the HANA database. So that's why you see S slash four HANA. So with SAP ERP, you could have an SAP or non-SAP database, and the deployment was pretty much always on-premise. So the software is installed in the servers on a customer's physical property. Like they've got a building, they have property that they own, and they've got a room full of servers. It's just like how if you put a CD-ROM disk or download software from the internet to your own computer... Just like imagine if you had a full room full of computers and servers. That's your classic on-premise customer. Now, the thing is they're purchasing the software and they're responsible for everything related to it. So they're kind of owning the software and then they're responsible for keeping everything up and running as well. So that server room, the air conditioning, keeping all those servers functioning. What if there's a power outage? We need backup generators. So all of these things come into the on-premise side that you might not necessarily think of, of just keeping everything up and running. So kind of a big part of cloud is that you get to outsource some of that to a third party. You're outsourcing a certain amount of the infrastructure, keeping things up and running, the maintenance, the technical maintenance of the back end of your solution. So that's, that's kind of the big difference that you can think of between on-premise and cloud. I mean, there are other differences as well that we'll touch on. But with S for HANA, it's a package of both the SAP front-end software, so your business suite software, and the HANA database for the back-end. So that creates a lot tighter of an integration between data, especially 
also um, to the fact that the HANA database was massively simplified and its structure actually inherently makes it better for processing large amounts of data. And that's necessary when you think about machine learning, predicting, forecasting, automation. So it's a different type of database, like a different structure inherently. And we talk about simplification. There's this simplification list that goes along with it when we talk about converting a customer who's an on-premise ERP customer into HANA, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. And that whole thing is kind of like if you have a master organizer come to your house, like Marie Kondo, right? The first thing is like you get rid of everything that does not bring you joy. <laughs> you get rid of all the <laughs> unnecessary things. And then you reorganize everything that's left into nice, neatly organized and labeled containers. So it was simplified, restructured. It's a different type of database. And then you have to have our database connected to the front end. So those things make it a lot easier to have really tight data integration analytics. So those are, those are kind of some of the big differences that we can think about. And then again, with cloud, you're always outsourcing some of the technical degree of the backend management of your system. So you're able to focus less time on keeping things running mm -hmm. and more time on what your business actually does. Okay. Yeah. Make, makes sense. So I, I imagine it's a, it's a lot less of a headache. Um, so post implementation or, or post migration, when, when you have that tight integration between the front end and the database, um, you probably run into a lot less issues uh, that might slow down your business operations. So thank you for that explanation. You mentioned already the SAP S4HANA cloud. But as far as, far as I, I could tell, so when I, when I browse through the learning journeys, I, I always notice that there's this difference between SAP S4HANA learning journeys and SAP S4HANA cloud learning journeys. Um, so maybe you can touch on the difference between these two. I think you already did um, more or less between the legacy uh, ERP and SAP S4HANA cloud, but may, maybe you can go a bit more into depth into differences between SAP S4HANA and SAP S4HANA Cloud and um, what sort of organizations or potential employers would use one or the other uh, solution. Sure. And one thing actually I forgot to say previously is also the Fiori Launchpad is a really big deal for S4HANA. So in the past, just think of the look and feel, the user experience, end user experience. The SAP GUI screens, <laughs> uh, which stands for graphical user interface, like just what you interact with. It's kind of based off of, if you think of an Excel spreadsheet, how the buttons, the save, create, all of those types of things are in the upper left corner. If you can like close your eyes, visualize Excel, right? So it's based on that kind of idea. Now, if you think of a website, so like your online shopping, just any website, a mobile app that you go to on your phone, those types of web design, it's a little bit more intuitive. You know, buttons are kind of in a different area. Uh, if you have to close out something, save something, there's usually like a dialog box, a pop-up screen that has a button in the lower right area. So moving more towards that website-based user interface as well is a big part of making the system easier for people to pick up and learn how to use. If we think of like the best user design, it's often the running example is if you give a baby or, you know, it's toddler something, an iPad, they're able to pick it up and use it, right? And they can, because it's got these natural uh, swiping and sort of natural ways to interact with it, but they can figure out how to use that pretty easily because the applications are designed to sort of teach you how to use the system while you're using it. So having 
the applications that as an employee, as an end user, you're working with be a lot more intuitive. That's really the idea of the Fiori Launchpad, the user interface, having everything all in one place. So I did want to bring that component into it too. I just happened to think, oh, well, all we did was talk about the software and the, the database, and those are different. But the big part that everyone is really going to experience is that, is that user interface, that Fiori user interface. So that's kind of from the differences side again. If we talk about the difference between S4HANA and S4HANA Cloud, um, when people say S4HANA, they're typically referring to the on-premise deployment of the software. When someone says S4HANA Cloud, they typically mean the public cloud deployment. So we want to remember that in between those two, we also have this private cloud deployment option. The private cloud offers the same functional scope as the on-premise option, but you also have the benefit of having someone else taking care of the infrastructure, so like the servers, someone else is providing the servers. Your software's installed there, but they keep things up and running. And then you also have SAP delivering the technical maintenance of your software. So if you think of the things that you pay a regular monthly subscription fee to use just in your own life, you know, you've got cell phone bills, mm -hmm. you've got internet, electricity, water, trash pickup, you know, general things to live your life. Those are the same types of ideas of a cloud solution. You're paying for using the service of whatever software you're paying that subscription fee for. The infrastructure is already there in wherever you happen to live, but you're paying a third party to consume those particular services. So like the water comes in through the pipes and you've got cell phone towers already, but you need to pay someone to actually access that service. So that's the idea with your cloud software. An organization that is going to have an on-premise solution, often like a really highly regulated industry, something that needs a lot of control over their, um, especially their uptimes and downtimes and maintenance, um, a larger organization that has the ability to have offices all over the world and servers in different places all over the world, just from kind of a data redundancy or backup standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be able to make sure that you're backing up data in one location to another location somewhere else in the world, just in terms of um, protecting your own data. It's kind of hard to replicate that if you're just a small organization, whereas with a cloud provider, you're able to use that service from them and they're providing that as part of the service because they have these data centers all over the world already. Okay, makes sense. And, and to just maybe to roll back a bit and um, touch on um, that in-between solution, the, the private cloud solution, I, I've seen it mentioned in some of the, the learning rooms, um, people have called it SPS 400 hybrid. So I assume that's what they're referring to, the private cloud solution, or is a hybrid offering something that's a fourth option? Yeah, hybrid is... There might be something that you're seeing that maybe has that in the name. I'm not familiar with one. In general, hybrid typically means that it's a mix of different either on-premise and cloud or different cloud-type solutions. So one solution might be inherently public cloud, like SuccessFactors. Mm -hmm. um, the company just, when the company was started, the software was developed and everything, it was designed and structured to be public cloud software. Uh, there's a difference between when we say public cloud, that usually means multi-tenant. So multiple tenants sharing the bandwidth of one server. Mm -hmm. You can think of that like an apartment building. There's multiple tenants in an apartment building, basically sharing the resources and kind of the cost of that one building. So as you can imagine, uh, when you're splitting the costs, right, it's a little bit less expensive yeah. in the long run. 
And then single tenant is going to be kind of like your on-premise customer in the sense that you are the only tenant, the only person like living in a house, Okay. right? And so you have to be responsible for everything that goes along with that. So single tenant is typically private cloud. And that's why you have the same functional scope as the on-premise solution and even the same ability to customize it with the private cloud solution all the way down to the level of modifying the SAP source code, which is a really big deal for customers that want a lot of control over their system. Mm -hmm. So really the only difference there is the subscription fee is different rather than the perpetual on-premise license. And also that you're outsourcing some of the technical management and maintenance and stuff of your solution to a third party. Okay, got it. Yeah, all right. Understood. So just moving on a bit more in depth into the details of SBS for HANA, um, it, it touches many aspects and components of um, a business. And I was wondering if you could maybe do a breakdown of how many different individual components SAP S4 HANA exist. Yeah, I mean, a lot <laughs> is the short answer. I think an easier way to probably think about that is that S4 is your core ERP. Like that's your enterprise resource planning system. At the core of the core, you have your org structure of the business and finance. So pretty much, and really when you configure a system, that's what you set up first because everything else requires those data from finance and or the organizational structure. So it's like the sun, if we think of the solar system. So we've got our org structure, finance, we've got this core ERP system. They provide data to almost all other lines of business like sales, procurement, manufacturing. And uh, then you can think about maybe other planets in the solar system that use that data as well that you can kind of plug in through integrations. So maybe you plug in Concur for booking travel, submitting expenses, mm -hmm. or success factors for human capital management. Um, I will just note that at the core, S4 is not designed to be an HR system. So you do need to plug in an HR system of record. So at minimum, Employee Central would be that HR system of record from success factors. Otherwise, you need some other HR system of record. So they all plug in, they consume data from the core, and then they send data back through through messages online, right? Okay, got it. Um, and just to ask that, uh, to touch on that hybrid topic once again, and to be oddly specific, can you mix and match um, cloud and on-prem for these individual modules? Absolutely. Yeah, really with integrations, we can do pretty much anything. Just the kind of integration technology that you'd use might be a little bit different because when you're connecting public cloud to on-premise or private cloud, those systems are behind a firewall. And so we have a specific type of technology. It's called Cloud Connector or connectivity uh, on the business technology platform. And that lets you kind of bypass that firewall so you can send your messages into the on-prem or private cloud solution. With public cloud to public cloud, uh, just the cloud integration suite from business technology platform, that pretty much covers all your bases. A lot of people are going to be moving from, especially if they're coming from on-premise to public or private cloud, they're going to be coming from like process orchestration, process integration. Uh, and that's that's something where you can actually use on BTP, like an ABAP runtime, you know, so you're able to use that same type of code or information that you've already worked on and developed using this other tool that we have, it's called a platform as a service. So as opposed to a software as a service, which is your S4 software, 
success factors, concur, field glass, any of those, they're defined to do something specific. Like I'm purchasing access to a system that does something because I need to be able to submit my expenses online, right? So Concur is already designed to do that. And we're just kind of like running our data through those processes. Whereas the business technology platform is a platform as a service, and it basically gives you access to these different services, for lack of a better word, but you can use those to then develop things. So developing applications or integrations or machine learning type uh, chatbots, something along those lines. So in combination with a platform as a service where you can develop and host your integrations, I would say you can pretty much do anything. Okay. And um, yeah, and BTP will probably be your, one of your main tools in the toolbox to to make sort of those um, custom requirements happen. So and custom integrations, for example. For sure. All right. Got it. And moving on maybe to, to the learning part now. Um, start starting with our with our university students or or newbies or new hires. Um, where would they go to gain some expertise in SAPS for HANA? So where do they start? Um, how do they decide between on prem or cloud, or maybe even decide which particular module they want to specialize in? I'd say I always start with the learning journeys. So these learning journeys we have, they're designed to basically give you a path of courses from start to finish, where at the finish, a lot of them end with pointing towards a certification. So if you do these courses, you'll be ready for the certification exam. If you don't need to get certified, or if you're just trying to learn about whatever topic it might be, you know, you could skip that part and just complete the training courses. But um, we'll have some learning journeys that will link to in the show notes that are specific to public cloud and private cloud solutions if you're looking to go one of those directions. Okay. And I guess we should state for for the listener's sake that um, the learning journeys are primarily sourcing content from uh, SAP Learning Hub. Yes. So um, SAP Learning Hub, an SAP Learning Hub subscription would be um, required to access uh, most of the learning journey content, just FYI. Yeah, I would say yes and no, actually, because in the very beginning of just of a lot of ours in particular that focus on on S4, we'll reference um, the open SAP training courses. Mm -hmm. And so for those, you can just register for free with an, I think, an email address. So the very beginning ones, and there's a ton of really good content, of course, on open SAP, you can access for free. All right. So a free start. That's always uh, encouraging for our newbies out there. Mm hmm. How about our, our SAP veterans out there? So let's say we have somebody who's an ERP expert and they want to upskill and, and switch over or their employer is upskilling and, and switching over to uh, SAP S4HANA. How valuable is this person's prior experience? So how much stuff can they, I guess, recycle and not have to worry about learning again? And how much stuff do they need to unlearn or forget in order to um, become the resident expert in S4HANA? I would say, again, start with your learning journey. And then from there, if we think about your background from on-premise, all of that information, like say that you are an expert in implementing uh, finance, a lot of our content architects that write the public cloud-specific courses on you know, manufacturing supply chain, they came from that background of being ERP on-premise experts in that same area, that same function. So the functionality is generally quite similar you'll see things look a bit different because there'll be a Fiori app instead of going to the SAP GUI kind of tree structure and expanding those things out or using transaction codes. So that switch in terms of line of business knowledge 
is if you're going to go on-premise to private cloud, all the same knowledge works because the private cloud solution has the same functional scope, the same regions, localizations, all of that. All 25 industries are supported that you have with your SAP ERP, also same as the S4HANA on-premise. So same functional scope there. And then if we're going from public cloud, it's similar, but just a little different, especially depending on lines of business, because public cloud has a more limited scope than you would find with your on-premise solution. Also in terms of customization, like extensibility is really just a fancy word for customization. Um, The customization is a little bit more controlled, I would say, within public cloud. Like you can't go into the back end of the system and do customizing things in the um, the IMG or the implementation guide, you would have to be doing it like through apps that exist and they facilitate you being able to do that custom field or apply the custom business logic. So the knowledge, I think knowledge experience, always important in any situation, like any experience you have is somehow going to be relevant and useful in terms of the methodology of implementing it. If you've used something other than SAP Activate, so back when we had the Service Marketplace website, if you used some other type of methodology that was there, what we use now is this SAP Activate implementation methodology. So just make sure that you follow that. Uh, the whole structure of implementing on-premise, private cloud, uh, public cloud, those are all defined with the tasks, deliverables, accelerators, all that is in the roadmap viewer. So we can provide a link to that. And also when you implement, especially public or private cloud, you would be provided the cloud ALM or cloud application lifecycle management tool. So it's similar to solution manager, but geared towards cloud solutions. And that tool actually embeds all of that same methodology. So basically just follow the tasks and deliverables that are in your cloud ALM tool or the implementation roadmap, essentially, and we'll be good to go. The focus is going to be a bit different. So it's much less on blueprinting and requirements gathering. And it's always going to be, at least now, it's shifting more towards this cloud or public cloud mindset, meaning that we're moving away from super customized systems and instead trying to look at the standard scenarios or what we call SAP best practices uh, and adopt those. So when we say like adopt those or fit to standard as one of the the types of workshops that happens to uh, take a a line of business and sort of say, these are the standard processes that we can activate in your system. Can we take these and make it work rather than just building your own custom process? The idea there is just, it will always lighten your load as a customer if you go more towards the standard thing rather than having to build the super custom thing Mm -hmm. and then maintain it yourself. So it's kind of moving more towards standardization. So the process is already built, but you can tweak it to fit what you need. Okay. All right. So, so for those ERP veterans out there, they won't have as hard of a time uh, as maybe the newbies out there. So uh, if you're, if your organization is making the move, don't panic. There is a path out there for you to follow and best practice laid out for you to, to use and your prior experience is worth a lot. So there you have it. And just on this staying in the same vein of those ERP uh, experts or out there or SAP veterans in general, keeping your certification up to date. Um, that's something that maybe the ERP crowd might not be used to um, moving into a cloud 
environment, it will be something that's relevant to them. Can you explain the difference between staying up to date for SAP S4 HANA Cloud versus somebody who would be used to an on-prem uh, certification? Sure. I would say that it's actually maybe it's always important to stay up to date, even with on-premise. Um, what you might not realize is that the on-premise solutions do release in a way, quarterly updates, they're just called something different. They're called feature pack stacks if you're on the same kind of base release of a year. So like there's an annual release for on-premise, actually the private cloud solution follows that same annual release. And every three months or so, you get these package of updates. The difference with on-premise is just there's zero requirement to ever implement them. Mm -hmm. So they're there. And there's still updates and either there'll be enhancements to the feature or if you're kind of just in maintenance mode of your solution, there'll be support pack stacks. So it's just not making core changes to the software. It's just kind of fixes and making sure apps are talking to each other effectively. So it's there's actually updates regardless of which solution you have. Um, with, with the private cloud solution, there's some differences because in the sense of a private cloud, you're having a third party, you're having SAP do some maintenance and technical management of the back end of your system. There is a requirement to stay within the mainstream maintenance window. So you actually have to upgrade at least once every five years. So there is that requirement. Because of this whole rise with SAP, so rise with SAP is kind of a package of additional services that go along with the public and the private cloud solutions because of that package. And that really describes a lot of what those technical uh, management services are that SAP does on your system. You can actually request once a year, you're entitled to request SAP to implement the technical upgrade. In terms of retesting your business processes and any other things like assigning permissions to users to make sure that they can access new functionality or the apps or whatever that might be, that's, of course, your own responsibility or the partners would be, consultants would be responsible for that. But from a technical perspective, SAP will do that upgrade. So with Public Cloud, there are two updates per year instead of four updates per year. So we've moved actually at the end of 2021, we switched over to this different schedule. So instead of quarterly, now there's two major upgrades per year. But in between those six months upgrades, six months apart upgrades, you have this continuous feature delivery or continuous innovation. And so what that means is that the developers are always working on new functions and features and everything. And in the past, they would just hold those. So they'd finish a project, hold that off until the next quarterly upgrade. And then those would be pushed out into your systems for public cloud. SAP is going to push out the updates to your existing scope. So whatever's functionality lines of business are deployed, if it affects that, they'll push out those upgrades. If there's new stuff that's completely different than what you've deployed in your system, that's always up to you if you want to go activate that. But instead of doing that four times a year, now it's twice a year that that happens. And as they develop things, they just make them available. So for the early adopters, if you're really excited about something, there's actually an app in the Fiori Launchpad where you can go. It's called Activate New Features. And so you can activate a new feature. When it comes to that next six-month upgrade, that new feature will get activated for everybody. But it's kind of early access to it if you want to start using that new feature now. So about every month or so, you're going to see a couple new features released within this app and become available. So that enables customers with public cloud who don't want as frequent of updates to keep their system stable 
for six months at a time. And then customers that really like new features and want to use those to activate them ad hoc as they want in between those six months period of time. So your requirements for staying up to date with the new features and functionality and keeping your certification up to date will kind of align with that. We've got this whole Stay Current program where if you're in the Esferana Cloud Implementation Learning Room, you'll find that there's an area of Stay Current content. And when it's necessary, we release essentially updates. And that update is just kind of a small quiz, 10 questions or so. And if you just take that quiz within the time period that's required, that continues to keep your certification up to date. In terms of requirements of that, it's more required in the public cloud area. With the private cloud area or on-premise, there's not really requirements to stay current, although we still release information to say, by the way, this is relevant to learn right now. These are new things to keep in touch with. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, One would assume that there's also sort of an associated... um enable material or, or, or e-learning that people generally need to take yep. before they uh, take that quiz. Yeah, it's actually in a package where you've got the content and then you've got the quiz right there. So it's not, you don't have to do it through the certification hub through the same way that you did the big certification. It's just in Learning Hub, in the learning room, we provide the link. You just go to whichever one is relevant for you, open it up, content, take the quiz, you're done. All right. I'm sure that's a sigh of relief to uh, many folks out there who achieved the initial certification. Sure. Um, um, So you mentioned already the um, SAP S4HANA learning rooms. So let's say a consultant is actually out in the field. Um, They're already certified. They're they're done for the first half year of their learning. Um, They're up to date. And they're working on a migration from uh, SAP ERP to SAP S4HANA. Would SAP Learning Hub or the particular learning rooms associated with SAP S4HANA be a, a, an appropriate place for, for people in the middle of such a migration to ask questions specific to their project? Um, would they be able to get help there? So the target audience of the S4HANA Cloud Implementation Learning Room is really you're going through the training courses um, that cover the public cloud area and that cover the, a bit of the private cloud area. So you're going through those training courses. You're either just trying to understand, work through the training content itself, or you're trying to get certified or maintain current certification. That's really kind of the audience. The target is to help facilitate your learning and everything. And we have all of these live sessions that you can join where the live sessions are designed to sort of augment and help add, you know, a demo, like a live component to doing the self-led learning. So that's that's really the goal of that learning room is to provide learning specific resource certification. If you are working on an implementation right now, you want to talk to people that are like the product managers, product experts. So those types of questions, I would say the best audience, whether you're a partner or a customer, is to go towards the SAP community groups. Mm-hmm. So like the Migration Cockpit, they have a really great group um, where they just moved a lot of their content there into this migration cockpit area. You can access a tab that is just for people posting blogs, asking questions, answers. And those are all kind of moderated and managed by the people that are the experts of the solution, the product managers and everything. So that would be a good place for you're working on implementations. You want to talk to product managers or other people doing the same stuff. Otherwise, of course, if you're a partner, there's some partner 
edge specific learning rooms that you could go to. And then if you're a customer, an administrator, you always have access. A couple of user seats will always be provided so you can access the enterprise support learning room. So the enterprise support value maps learning room is designed to help facilitate customers connecting with their SAP support contacts. And they have all kinds of trainings that are more geared towards customer admins as well, like meet the expert sessions. Okay. Makes makes a lot of sense. So so plenty of resources out there for, for folks who are in the field and currently working on the implementation. So um, no need to to post oddly specific or extremely specific custom development questions in the learning room specifically. And on the topic of um, posting things that are off topic, I was wondering what is the un- most unusual question or content you've seen posted in your learning room? So I, I often ask this to anybody who has been leading a, a learning room, as my experience in the welcome room, uh, sometimes, I don't know, it brings to light some unusual activity on the platform at times. And I was wondering um, what, what sort of thing is sort of unusual things have happened on your learning room or maybe during one of your um, formal trainings. You know, I my um, radar for unusual things is pretty... I don't think many things are unusual because I figure if you have that question, other people do too. Like that's kind of my rule of thumb is like, if you've got the question, somebody else does. That's kind of how I think when I'm writing new content, if the question kind of pops up in my mind, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't, not quite sure how I could really explain that to someone. And someone's going to ask that question if I don't fully go research up on it. So honestly, if, if you have the question, it's more about the right resource or kind of the right avenue to figure out and find find the answer, find whatever you need. And that's part of what we, we try to help you help you out and, and do, especially with your kind of trying to get through learning and understanding a solution. And the information about these products will always change. And even, you know, components of how to implement them, like new things will come out and be like, okay, now we totally configure the solution in this completely different system. You know, with public cloud, we had this massive change between this brand new tool that was released. Well, I mean, a year ago, so not totally brand new, but this new tool was released where it's like, now we configure everything in this other tool. So the information will always change. It's more about knowing where to go to find the information that may have changed since you checked last. Okay. So it sounds to me like the um, S400 community is, is very focused and serious on their studies. Um, so no no um, photos from, from the beach or homemade music videos or anything showing up in your community. <laughs> Not that maybe I've at- seen. <laughs> that would be <laughs> kind of after- fun every now and then, but I haven't seen any thus far. Maybe after this podcast, that will change. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Now we've taken quite a bit of your time, so um, we always want to part oh, at asking our expert if they have any final words of wisdom for our learners before you leave. Um, I would say just we've probably all heard the kind of I see one, do one, teach one. That's the best way to learn information, or or people have their personal preferences of like I'm an auditory learner, or visual. There's not a ton of research actually to support that. It's really that people. As a people, as humans, we learn through stories. And so a way that you can really help yourself understand something or learn some new information is go to a place where you can talk to yourself, like where you can talk out loud and try to explain things to yourself. So as you're working through the training course content, talk yourself through it. 
If you're looking at a visual, like a graphic or something, try to explain it to yourself. Imagine that maybe you're explaining it to someone else, if that helps. But that's actually how I learn information and kind of prepare training resources is I try to think about, I mean, in my case, I am going to actually have to try to explain it to someone else. So this may be a little more relevant, but that's a quick test to figure out if I don't understand what I'm saying. It's a problem. You know, I need to go do a little more research on that particular topic. So you can kind of test yourself and figure out, do I really understand what this is? And if you're preparing for a certification, implementation, quizzing yourself, just trying to really understand something, that's the best way to do it, I would say, is just try to teach yourself. Excellent advice. And on that note, we're done. This was the SAP Learning Insights Podcast with Kate Wilson and myself, David Chaviano. Thank you, Kate, for your time and your expertise. Thank you. See you next time.